brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Ah, oh, shit. Here we go again. Surprise, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are the Godfathers of Podcasting. It is Tuesday. <coughs> Shut the fuck up, Tid, at 8.03 p.m., and we are broadcasting live right here on godfathersofpodcasting.com. And in case you didn't know, we've been podcasting since before podcasting was even called podcasting. We should know what a mute button is when we cough. As always, archives of this show are available on every major podcast provider, including Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, and so many more. The video archives are available on our website, godfathersofpodcasting.com. You can send us a text right now or get us on WhatsApp, 437-375-2000. That's 437-375-2000. 2000 numbers up on the screen man it's pretty easy you got a question or a comment you want to talk to our guest if you have a good take we'll read it on the air if it sucks we're just going to make fun of it and we might read it on air anyway my name is donnie da silva and it is my distinct honor to introduce to all of you my brother from another mother the snoop dog to my dr dre notorious tid chris tidwell Literally, normally the one who breaks everything is the guy who's not here right now. And that is my bro, Danny O, the other godfather of podcasting. He is conspicuous by his absence. Not here tonight because uh, he's got other things going on and that's fine. He'll be back for next week's show. Uh, He is probably busy, if I had to speculate, celebrating the 22nd anniversary of his debut album, uh, his The Book of Daniel. That came out 22 years ago today. Have you really, got your copy yeah. yet, Tid? <laughs> um, so wait, you're telling me that it's 22 years old, so it's an adult now? <laughs> I guess it's 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 legal to drink so, in all countries. So he can he can stop talking about it and let it li- let it live its own life finally. <laughs> let the book of Daniel go off on its own. 
Ah, uh, that's amazing. Yeah, I do have a copy around someplace. <laughs> someplace. Yeah. No, I, don't, just dude, I don't have someplace CDs. for 22 years. I don't have I don't have a CD player anymore. I don't Who have does? CDs. I don't you know what I'm saying? Like I don't have any of that stuff. So yeah, uh, I'm sure and I'm sure it's on one of my playlists. Yeah, Somewhere I, I've got like a Spotify, an Amazon, a uh what else? I don't even fucking know. Sirius XM on my phone. Like I got so much music stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? The other day and I was I looking through podcast. Weird. The other day I was looking through some uh, some bins of stuff that I have in storage, and I was thinking to myself, man, I've got a lot of DVDs. I don't own a DVD player anymore. And I found a lot of CDs. I'm like, I don't think I have a single CD player that I keep at my place. Like, I don't know what does to do with all this have stuff. One? Does your vehicle have a CD player in it? Uh, you know what? It does. It does. That's well, a great point. Yeah, but I stream everything in the car. <laughs> you know, into a bottle or out the window or Yes, sir, on long road right. trips. Okay, there you go. <laughs> you know. <laughs> You've been there. Yes, I, yes, I have. <laughs> Yesterday. Do you do you still keep CDs? Like remember the old days when everyone like you go over to someone's place and you would immediately identify how cool they are by the size of their CD rack and what was in it. Dude, I can remember going to parties where you'd walk into a party and like the entire, like you'd one whole wall was nothing but CDs inside right. of the living room. And the other wall was some kind of like fucking crazy stereo system. You know what I mean? But, but this dude, this dude had like, burnt up walls and like a fucking a coffee table that looked like he got it from a dump site but you know he had all of his money invested in a stereo and a cd collection outside of that this place was ghetto as hell i love it you know what i mean like yeah. I, you've been to parties like that if absolutely you're my age anyways and 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 i was amazed i was amazed that this dude would go through that much like time and effort because everything was categorized too right. it was unbelievable maybe hey, i was um, at a party at strombo's i don't know i was just, it's so funny <laughs> we've literally known each other too long i was literally about to say sounds like strombo's place <laughs> yeah it might have been <laughs> um wow that's funny okay um, I want to ask you a question because it was probably about 10 years ago or so that you first smartened me up to a little YouTube show called letter Kenny. And I remember we were sitting in our old studio and you're like, here, watch this. And I just, I, I was dumbfounded at the rhythm and the pace that these guys were delivering jokes at. And I thought, this is this is really good and i wasn't surprised when they ended up getting their own tv show i'm a little surprised now that that tv show has had 10 seasons um and i'm even more surprised that one of the lesser known characters on the show shorzy is now getting his own spin-off tv show mm. the shorzy show has had uh trailers debuting this past weekend uh, Shorzy was the previously never seen in terms of his face, uh, hockey player with the falsetto chirps. <laughs> he would shit talk everybody with that very super high pitch. But you never voice, saw him. But you never saw him. Of course, it was Jared Kiso 
who played Shorzy. He also played <clears throat> the lead character in the program. And that's why they never showed his, his face. Cause it's the mm-hmm. same guy, what? but in the new trailer, there he is. He's revealed right at the end of the, of the trailer. Do you like this tit? The, the fact that Shorzy is getting a new TV show and they've kind of like broken that, that ongoing joke that we never see who he is. They've, they peeled back the curtain and you found out <laughs> that the, the wizard of Oz was just some little piece of shit pulling strings. Right. Yeah. Like it's listen, <clears throat> I commend them for the fact that they've been able to do this faster than like trailer park boys. You know what yeah. I mean? You think about like iconic uh, bubbles doesn't have a fucking sideshow. Like, you know what I mean? Did, did any of them like, did, Haney, did they get a side gimmick? I don't think so. Who? Yeah, the the sheriff dude. What sheriff dude? Anyways, from Trailer Park Boys guy. Oh, like, did anybody um, from Trailer Park Boys get a fucking spin? Mr. Leahy. Leahy, that was it. He, we interviewed him before. I remember Mr. Leahy. That was R.I.P. But you know um, what I mean? Like, did yeah, yeah. Nobody got a spinoff from there, right? So the fact. No. The letter Kenny is just blown up out of nowhere. Yeah. You know? And like like K Trevor Wilson is one of the funniest dudes out there. But I don't know if any of those guys of the show. I don't know if uh, any of those yeah. guys are on the new show. I don't think they are. I, I think you'll see special appearance. You have to see special appearance. Know. You know what I mean? The town ain't that big, bro. It doesn't necessarily say that they're in Letter Kenny anymore, though. He's playing hockey and it's a very quick trailer. You get very little from it, but anyway, I'm I'm looking forward to it. If for nothing else, more Shorzy falsetto chirps. Yeah, you know, your life's so pathetic. I get a charity tax break just by hanging around you, bud. <laughs> Is there a more Canadian show? Not right now. You know, <laughs> not I mean? right now. I mean, There's, other than the news, I got I have uh, friends and family in the U.S that I turned on to letter Kenny and thinking to myself, they're not going to like this. They're, they're not going to get it. It's such small town, Canada humor mm-hmm. They're And they love it. <laughs> and I don't, I'm shocked that they love it, but they love it. That's so amazing. If you, if you're out there listening and you've never seen letter Kenny, it's available on crave or Hulu and uh shore will be uh, on Hulu as well. I don't know the start date. If you want to Google that, I have no idea. Um, I also wanted to throw this out at you, Tid. Uh, this past weekend, I know that we want to talk about, uh, I teased in the open, the um, Super Bowl halftime show, and I do want to talk about that. But we have a guest co-host that's going to be joining us momentarily, and I know that I'd like to get her take on it as well. Um, but in the meantime, and in the in-between time, I watched UFC 271 this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Good show. Real good show. I'm sure you watched it too, right? I did. Absolutely. Um, Ty Tuavasa, real good heavyweight fighter. Did he just become a superstar? Did he go from becoming a good fighter to becoming a fucking superstar in that one fight by knocking out Derek Lewis, Ted? I think he uh, he cemented himself as a kid who is who was once cut and joked about it 
you know, he was Mark Hunt's punching bag for a long time. And then he went to the point where he's become a genuine babyface superstar for the UFC and knocking out a dude like Derek Lewis in Derek's hometown. You saw in those exchanges, if you watch that fight, you saw in those exchanges, he would just grit down. And if, if a guy like Derek Lewis can't knock that dude out, you're going to have to catch him hard as a heavyweight because he bites down and gives her very much like Mark Hunt used to when he was still fighting, you know, so I can see the similarities. Um, I enjoyed it for one tremendously. Yeah, I agree. And it was, I thought it was a great win. I feel bad for Derek Lewis because Derek Lewis is another guy. He's a genuine superstar, right? But Taitu Avasa definitely took that next step to the uh, to the upper echelons, and I can't wait to see who they put him in against next. It's not just the fact that he's a big, wide-necked, you know, dude that loves to bang, and he's from down under, and he drinks beer out of a shoe. It's not just that. It's that the way he fights and then the way he talks in, in his press conferences, you're like, this guy just has star quality written all over him. You He's a very he, genuine human being. Yeah. Like I saw right. after the fight, someone said to him, so uh, Ty, uh, uh, what do you think? Are, are you now going to be fighting those other guys in the top five? Bro, I don't even know who's in the fucking top five. I don't watch fighting. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's like, I fight for a living. I train. I go home. I drink beer. I party, and I'm ready to repeat. I'm like, holy shit. Well, he guy. took the fight. When he took the fight, he didn't know about it until the next morning. He right. agreed to the fight and woke up to a shit ton of messages telling him, "Hey, congratulations <laughs> on the fight." And he's like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" He was blackout drunk. He said, <laughs> when he took the fight, he was like, "Yeah, fucking yeah, I care. Let's fucking fucking go." Tied to a vasa. I love uh, that dude. Before I bring in our guest co-host, let me just ask you this real quick. Have you ever done a shoey? Have you ever drank celebratory beer out of a shoe? <sighs> or would you? Maybe a better question. I mean, I, I don't see it. Listen, that's dependent. You know what I mean? Like if it's, if it's on a bet, have I done it in the past? I, don't, I maybe have. I don't have you? Know. Wow. I may, I maybe have. I don't fucking know. I've done some pretty fucked up shit, dude. Yeah, you like, don't remember. Let's be perfect. Let's be perfectly honest. There, uh, you, I don't want to say that I haven't, because then somebody's going to come forward and be like, "You fucking lying piece of shit." Remember that time back and blah blah blah, and then next thing you know, there's stories. So I'm just going to assume that I probably have once in my day. Um, will I again? There has to be. The, it would have to be something on the line for me to do that. Ladies and gentlemen, I mentioned earlier that uh, our bro Danny O is off this week and uh, that we did have a guest co-host that was going to be joining us. And here she is, uh, of course, making a return appearance to the program. Y'all got to meet her a couple weeks ago and the cards and letters came pouring in with support. So let's bring her in one more time. Here's our sister from another mister. It's Miss Sasha Wallach. Hey, Sash. Hey, guys. Can you How hear me? How are you? Um, I'm good. I'm good. I was having technical uh, difficulties, so apologies. It's sort of the theme tonight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we started the show with no music. Tid's microphone wasn't working while we were sitting backstage for 20 minutes. It's kind of just the way it is. Yeah, my day Kurt started at 5.30, and it's just been, you know, downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I think curses are transferable, are they not? Maybe that's yeah. what we got. Yeah. We all got hit with Dan's curse. <laughs> yeah, we got Daniel's tech curse. Um, hey, we're here to, like, listen, this could be a nice, pretty packaged program, but we made the decision. We're going to go live. No safety net. That's what's up, motherfuckers. So, that's, you know. You know, some people do improv and uh, <laughs> you're taking it to a to a whole new level. No fucks given. Um, I mentioned momentarily uh, a moment ago, I mentioned that we were going to uh, touch on the Super Bowl halftime show. Um, wanted to know, Sash, your uh, immediate visceral response to what many are calling the best halftime show ever and others are calling the worst halftime show ever. <laughs> Um, well, in, uh, in keeping with my own personality, I'm all about nuance and, uh, don't subscribe to binary narratives. So therefore, uh, it was definitely, definitely not the worst, uh, definitely not the best, but up, but up there, um, definitely up there. I thought it was fantastic, uh, for Gen Xers like us. I mean, I think it was our sweet spot. Uh, for anyone that uh, appreciates uh, rap as a genre, I don't think you get any better than Kendrick Lamar. Um, mm. I, I mean, Eminem, Mary J, um, Fiddy is looking more like a buck fifty these days. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, Ooh, he was uh, <laughs> he was good. Um, I honestly, I thought it was well choreographed. I thought the song selection was spot on. I mean, what, what more were people looking for? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, some of the criticism, of some of the criticism has been um, a little bit over the top. Um, Sasha, I just want to check with you. Do you have your, uh, do you have like your regular home Wi-Fi going or are you on like a mobile network or something? Cause you're coming in a little choppy. Oh, I have my, my regular home Wi-Fi. Oh, you're oh. coming in a little choppy on us, but oh. okay. Choppy as in sound or, or, or picture? Both of it. <laughs> the whole gamut of, of tech problems. But, um, you know, it's, it's the theme this week. The what are you going to do? Today. Okay. Um, We're maintaining the theme. I'm trying to think of what I can do. Uh, it's okay. You work on that. We'll continue on. Um, yeah. I yeah. I was surprised by a lot of the feedback to the Super Bowl halftime show because I thought it was great. Um, I don't like using the over-the-top amounts of hyperbole, best ever, best ever. But I thought it was really, really, really good. Um, did you tear up? I did not tear up. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did not tear up. <laughs> I teared up a little bit in the first half with that face mask penalty that didn't get called. That made me tear up. But aside <laughs> from that, the um, the performances it's themselves, uh, Danny O, our normal third member of the program, that Sasha's filling in for. He said on social media, it was historic, um, you know, for the black community, it was historic for hip hop in general. I can't argue. I, I agree on both levels. I think it was a really strong performance. I hear people complaining about the set design, the production, uh, the fact that they were lip syncing. And I thought. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country 
and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We've, we were talking about this on this program for the last two weeks. Lip syncing is an NFL protocol. You don't have a choice. <laughs> You know? Yeah, there's certain there's certain times where the mics would go in live over the top of their own stuff, and you could you could clearly tell or whatever. And then there was stuff that clearly you could see was being done to the T, dot the eyes, the whole nine yards. Like there's a reason for it. Absolutely. Right. Um, I don't know if I would say I, in my opinion, the best of all time because that's a tough that's a tough title to hold when you had you know Prince. Yeah. When you had, you know, Michael Jackson, like it's, that's, it's some tough shoes to try to go up against. Was it great? Absolutely. To be able to do this in LA with Dre, with Snoop, you know, with mm -hmm. like brought back rerun uh, from, from good times. I Re <laughs> what are you talking that, about? Oh, yeah, hanging upside down. The guy who did the fifty cent, uh, the guy who did the fifty cent song. That wasn't him. Are you body shaming Fitty? Not at all, dude. But I thought for sure <laughs> that dude is looking thick as hell and good, good for thicker him. Thicker than a snicker. Good, good, good for him. Twenty twenty some years later, absolutely, you expect him to you know look a little bit different. That I was actually, a bit of a surprise. That was, it a, was surprise. a surprise. I wasn't, you know, and, and, and I mean, how can you not love on Mary J looking as fantastic as ever yeah. Eminem pulling it Anderson pack showing up on the cool. drums to play. Everybody's like, what the hell is this? And then there's a lot of people who are going, I don't know who that is. And then I stopped <laughs> talking to those people because who needs them in your life? You know what I mean? <laughs> I thought I thought it was a fantastic show. Um, it's a shame that it was only, you know, 13, 14 minutes. I get yeah. it with the setup, the setup, everything like that. I get it. I wish it would have been a lot longer because, you know, who doesn't want to see it? And man, well, we heard a story last week that it had been extended to 30 minutes. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you would have thought, I guess that's the time that it takes, and then they have the setup and everything like that. Oh, so, yeah, but good for them. I hope it leads to a lot more open doors for a lot more people to play the Super Bowl halftime show. I hope it leads to those five touring together across the entire planet. Because <laughs> I am a not kid I want to see. Wow, I am not gonna want to see the prices on that. Could you imagine? Oh no, those ticket prices would be bonkers. They'd be um, Super Bowl prices. Oh, I, I don't need to see Aerosmith or The Who in any more Super Bowl shows. Like, I, I think we're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the interesting thing was I I saw a lot of online feedback from people, and and you can guess, you know which side of the fence they sit on, but it was okay. Enough of this hip hop shit. You're just trying to like, you know, be woke in LA. We all know the majority of football fans are Southern Americans and they want rock and roll. So I did. Okay. Some so Googling. who are you going to do that? So I did some Googling and I looked up okay. what are the demographics of the NFL audience? It's 68% non-white. <laughs> So this this idea of it's just a bunch of good old boys from down south, that's a very old uh, ideal, you know. And I think they were just talking about the owners. Maybe. And you also have to keep in mind, like, they're not playing 
like it wasn't Drake up on stage, right? These are these are technically oldies. <laughs> like right. the songs they're playing yeah. are two decades old. These Drake's are... fifty six years old, bro. Yeah, everybody's over like and you know he forty eight to fifty six. It was fantastic. They're all up in your age category. Oof, that's a scary <laughs> thing. That's the scary part. Um. The one thing I want to say, and I know that our guest is sitting backstage and I want to get to him very quickly, but the one thing is, do you all think that the NFL telling Eminem, you're not allowed to take a knee, no political statements during the performance. And he's like, yeah, to hell with y'all <laughs> and do it anyway. Do you think that that moment overshadowed the rest of the performance and really triggered those that are so anti that particular visual and that just set them off even more like they weren't going to enjoy the performance and then it just triggered them like oh he's disrespectful he's this he's that do you think that it took away from the ability of people to be objective i don't think so i think i think the same people that were gonna bitch about the halftime show mm -hmm. um we're gonna do that regardless of whether or not eminem yield um, I don't, I don't think it, it, it really had the impact, but we're into it. We're not into it. Not that I'm saying that, you know, if you're not into rap and hip hop, that you're necessarily on a certain end of the political spectrum. I don't think that's fair either. I think that oh, I agree. genuinely like, and just like whatever music they want, but I don't think Eminem was changing any hearts and minds, uh, <laughs> that night. That's just me. My favorite meme that was out there was he wasn't making a political statement. His knees were weak. Palms are sweaty. <laughs> and I mean, what's wrong with him going up there and paying tribute to Tim Tebow? Oh, that's what he was doing. <laughs> he was, he was doing the Tim Tebow salute. His favorite football player. Right. All right. Enough of this nonsense, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it is time right now to introduce our featured guest this week. He's a founding member of one of Canada's most popular rock bands, <laughs> Moist. Moist formed way back in 1992. It is now celebrating Good 30 Lord. years of music. They've released four studio albums. Their debut, Silver, went quadruple platinum, and their next two went multi-platinum, selling for a million and a half units. Moist has a new album on the way, their first since 2014, titled End of the Ocean. I've been listening to it nonstop for the last few days. In my opinion, it's their best work to date. No hyperbole. The title track has a killer video available online. It's brand new, but it's still undeniably moist. A few years back, this gentleman actually left the band to do his own thing. One project he was working on, I can't wait to ask about a live band karaoke project. If there's anything more fun than that, I don't want to know what it is. <laughs> Today's interview is a special bucket list item for me, though, because my co-host Tid will remember way back in 1996 or 97, our internet radio station that we were working at did a live stream of a moist concert and we were supposed to interview the entire band backstage after and then we weren't because it was canceled so 25 years later here we are <laughs> ladies and gentlemen when it comes to rock he keeps it fierce let's all give it up for the great jeff pierce <laughs> i'm really sorry about that that really <laughs> that sucks I, i'm actually I, I don't know who to blame i want to blame somebody for that i was really yeah. hurt yeah, no, someone should be blamed. Am I? I might be a little hot here. Is that? I'm gonna 
turn my mic down a bit. Is that okay? Well, now we can't hear you at all, but <laughs> I'll find the happy medium. Find the happy medium. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's uh, I just want to. So I heard you guys talking about the Super Bowl, and yeah, I, I don't think I was the only person who got a little like I got choked up when Eminem went into lose yourself. <clears throat> I got I got actually like, like, like had a, like a, I had a moment and wow, because uh, that song is so powerful. And, it really yeah, is. It really yeah. is. It's so great. Yeah. I mean, and and th there's a reason that song has won so many awards. You know, it's evocative of so many visuals. Um, and then for me, there's always the correlation, of course, to the Eight Mile movie. And then you think of of poor Brittany Murphy and the the <laughs> the path that her life went down and and ended prematurely. There's so much that comes to mind for me with that with that one song. But that's yeah, the amazing power of music. And there's so much in the, in the lyric of it as well. It's just the, I mean, as a, particularly for, for anybody who's ever thought of performing in any kind of way, it's all there. It's the, you yeah. know, it's the, it's the giving yourself over fully to something if you want to have any chance of it becoming anything. And that's what the song is. And uh, yeah, so. <laughs> you know, uh, Barack, yeah, Barack Obama, um, Barack Obama apparently plays that song or played that song every time he was about to give a major speech. Is that, Is that right? right? That's his hype song. Awesome. That's great. <laughs> I did not know that. Thank you. Um, so I guess let, let's, let's rewind and go back to that. I'm guessing uh, you enjoyed the Super Bowl halftime show holistically. Would you say it's one of the best ever? I thought it was good because it was, it was a, um... Yeah, I thought it was actually like the whole hip hop thing and the, and the multi mm -hmm. uh, artists in the thing is so perfect for the Super Bowl. Like, I enjoyed yeah. I enjoyed the weekend last last year, um, mm -hmm. but it's a lot of time for one artist to hold. I think and uh, agreed. And I enjoyed the year before that was Coldplay. I think is that right? Uh, yeah, I, I think was the year before was J Lo and Shakira. Oh, that's right. And I missed that one. Um, I was I was I didn't miss that one. <laughs> I was actually recording. I was recording this record when that happened. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Are you telling me I've got a YouTube date in my future? Is what you're saying? I should check it out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so but the whole I, th I thought the whole thing with the staging, like the staging was 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 fairly modest, really, for what yeah. like like it's you know it was, the, it was a big stage, but with the buildings and all that kind of stuff. But it was mainly about the people that were around it and that kind of thing. And it made a lot more sense to have that than to have to assemble. You know, I went back afterwards and looked and watched the rewatched the Prince, the Prince performance, just because that was in my mind as mm -hmm. the best performance ever. And as soon as I saw the Prince thing, the first thought I had was, how long did it take them to set up that stage? It was insane. Like the Prince thing was insane with the big, you know, the big logo Simple, thing. The, yeah. And, uh, you know, taking up, most of the field and mm. this on the other hand was just you know the trailers and the the levels and that kind of stuff very very simple i thought it was good i think the more and the more simple you can make the set the better performance you'll have potentially you get to put more energy into the uh the actual performance so yeah, yeah i don't get it that was good i actually i really liked the set and we sort of theorized last week when we talked about on this show what's it going to be like to have these iconic artists sharing a stage together? And I thought, well, I think they're going to find a way to do some kind of cool set design to compartmentalize them somehow. I didn't realize they were literally going to put them into wow. compartments. <laughs> nice. Good call. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually, I liked it too. I mean, obviously there's going to be 
parts that are lip synced. It's just that's what. Well, I, have to. I remember a couple of years ago again. Who I can't remember who it was, but who who was the main headliner when the Chili Peppers jumped in for a bit of Give It Away? Who was the? Uh, remember the Peppers were there was a. I thought the Chili's were the headliner. No, no, they weren't. They were just there for no. like a, a, a a moment, and it was so obvious that they're lip syncing and like the bass wasn't plugged in and all that kind of stuff. Right. Because of course you're not going to have, like, it's just obvious. You're not going to have them jump up and do their thing. It's, it's, it's part of the show. But I thought with the, uh, they had enough live mics in the, in this hip hop extravaganza to make it really um, uh, like good to make it really like legitimate. I thought um, Bruno Mars, Bruno Mars. That's it. It's a Bruno Mars show, yes, that they did, and they jumped in halfway through it. Yeah. Right. Freaking and that's a tough combination. I do. That's exactly what happened, my friend. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's a, that's a, that's tough company to keep, you know what I mean? The dynamic, and you can see that because, you'd, like you're saying, for one person to hold it, for Bruno Mars to try to hold that entire thing is a little tough. So you bring in the Chili Peppers for it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I, to. I, I, I think Bruno could have held it more on his own than the weekend, to be honest. If I had to, if I had to choose, you might be right. I, I, I do tend to, I do tend to lean towards what Jeff was saying, though. At this point, I kind of feel like the scale and the scope of the event—it's so much to put on one person, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how long before they really go cross genre in a single Super Bowl halftime show, you know, like get yeah. someone out there that's really rocking, get a hip hop legend on stage at the same time. And you know what? Bring out a country superstar and just do a big mashup. I want to see the big four of thrash metal do it. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be a show. Who's your, who's your big four? Oh, the big four. It is the big four, I believe, which is Metallica, Megadeth, uh, Slate, um, and i can't remember the third fourth one is who's the fourth anthrax the fourth is anthrax there you go i was just checking i was just checking i was just checking the music guy you're pop quizzing the guest you know i'm actually i don't have a lot of experience with thrash metal i gotta say i'm a bit more of a carpenter you know what okay so so you say that you say that but listening to the new album there's there's a there's a song on there um about the devil i don't want to give it away because it's coming out but the the heaviness of it uh bass is out of tune but yeah put the devil on yeah the heaviness of it is really really different i thought when I was listening to it, how, what made you guys and and there was a couple of tunes where it starts off very bass heavy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like the intros are, <laughs> are, are, are uh, so so. What was what was the idea behind this entire thing? Tell us about your stuff. Enough about the Super Bowl. Well, so put the devil on it in particular was a, a um, uh, right before we got into making the record and, and writing songs for the record, we did a 25th anniversary tour to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Sil of silver the first record and okay. when we were uh when we got back, in, back into playing that that um that record there was a song on on silver called breaker down which is another big fat heavy bass song and i just felt like 
something that this record could use would be a big fat heavy bass song and that's kind of where it came from so it came it came just simply from that i just wanted a song that was just like a slow honestly we're always trying to rewrite uh you know when the levy broke <laughs> sorry when the levy breaks that was that, that was kind of the emphasis for that it's like yeah, we yeah. Had to win the levy breaks type thing aim high aim high yeah <laughs> exactly yeah. and we hit you know somewhere slightly lower than that mark but that is a high high thing to shoot for um so yeah i mean that we just wanted a song that was like 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 slow and heavy and grumbly and growly it's and crunchy crunchy, crunchy yeah. almost yeah you and know? i think it the was, lyric fantastic david, yeah thank you and i think the lyric that david came up with for that song too is is um uh very like it's it's a bunch of vignettes almost like like small okay. pictures of of things and it really sort of uh uh it helps like the between that and the grind of the song i think it really there's a whole it's very cinematic there's a whole sort of like picture thing that kind of comes from it i think and and yeah but anyway thanks for bringing that one up because i i enjoy that song a lot i'm looking forward to playing that one live eventually yeah, I can imagine what it's going to sound like in a live in a live setting for sure. Jeff, as a non-musician who's always wanted to be a musician, I'm just a wannabe musician. Um, I'm always fascinated by the songwriting process. And anytime I get a chance to sit down and chat with um, musicians of any genre, I'm always fascinated because I feel like the songwriting process differs from from band to band and even from album to album. And I was one of those nerds that sat down and watched the entire Disney uh, uh, Beatles documentary, you know, <laughs> all 49 million hours of it. Should we, because should we talk about that for a bit? We can. Absolutely. <laughs> I want to circle back to that. Yeah, please do. I, I was I'm so fascinated, like when when you see a band like Moist and I'm, I'm looking at stuff from Silver and I'm listening to your stuff from today and I'm curious, is there a formulaic approach to songwriting is it that david's going to come up with lyrics and he has an idea of what the the melody is going to be or do you guys work on your own individual riffs and see what fits together do you hear the song and just start jamming until it fits what, yeah, what does we've, it look we've, like you know we've actually we have had a very cohesive songwriting process which has basically lasted for the last 30 years and that process is that either mark or kevin or i will come in with a piece, a, it could be a bass riff, it could be a guitar riff, it could be a keyboard line, um, and we'll just start jamming it. And David will start blah blah blahing on top of it. Mm. And then when he blah blahs something that we really like, Kevin and I will jump in on a background vocal and sort of highlight that thing. And then we'll go, okay, there's something there, course wise. And then and it just and we just like literally like beat it into submission. Usually we, we will often as times as well come in with complete songs like individually. We'll be like, here's a song, it's complete. And when that song comes out the other end, it sounds nothing like the song that we brought in. And right. that's the way that we've been writing songs. And that we did we did that when we were, you know, we used to spend six hours, sorry, six days a week in the studio together just writing and jamming and and not not eight days a week like the Beatles. <laughs> no, we, we're a little, we're a little bit lazy. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> so, so i don't know if you heard or not jeff they put out a uh, uh there was a documentary about the beatles i don't know if you heard about this or not um i'm sorry the, the <laughs> they're a little known they're a little known band from overseas okay silly name 
Yeah. Liverwurst? Yeah, from Liverwurst. Yeah. A name like that is never going to sell. Okay. Sorry, I'm I'm dialing right in to get back right now for a second. Please, let's do this. One of the things that that so struck me watching that was, oh, my God, these guys write songs exactly the way that Moist writes songs. I was just going to say, you described the exact process. Yeah. And I was they like, well, why aren't why aren't our songs any better? <laughs> like, <laughs> they're doing this. We're doing the same thing as them. Why don't we have a Hey Jude? Where's our Sergeant Peppers? Damn Where's it. our Sergeant Peppers? Yeah, uh, yeah. And I mean, that's just, it's that was the thing about that thing that that struck me so much is just when yeah. it's just those four guys just playing and jamming and showing each other bits and that kind of thing like that is the band experience and that's what i mean that's what being in a band is all about and to see that that it really humanized them for me in a way that was really really neat actually do you think it was a matter do you think it was a matter though of like there wasn't as many bands out there the 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 your you know the music that you had exposure to as a civilian was very limited so they were getting a huge push when you guys became huge popular there was still a lot of music and a lot of choice and a lot of people were getting the push do you think that the like you know did, i'm not going to say it but did the beatles like did they you know were they benefiting by the fact that there was no competition i think that they i mean i think that they had a they, they hit a certain point where there was a big machine behind them for sure. Because the, and the machine that was pushing the Beatles along wasn't simply about selling records or, or t-shirts or, or, or tickets to, to shows. There was also, there was movies and there was merchandise and there was, there was everything. There was a huge, massive thing. And uh, so that definitely, once they got sort of to the point where people's, the livelihood of a lot of people were depending on that band being successful and continuing to be successful. But in order to get to that spot, you had to be pretty good. And they were really like, they were pretty good. And you could tell that they put in the hours and you know, that they, that they had a magical thing with those four guys and the way they wrote songs together and the way they gelled as, as individuals. And, you know, sometimes it just, sometimes it just clicks and uh, yeah, you know, you also have to be willing to put in the work. And that's something I've often talked about with, with bands is that if you've got a band where there's one guy who doesn't want to do it as much, then the whole thing goes off the rails. It's just not going to fly. The biggest thing that struck me with get back was, and maybe you can relate to this in a way that I can't, and I can only dream of it. Um, The sheer volume of albums that they released over the time that they were together is absolutely insane when you look at the number of it was just like album after album after album after album and if you watch get back it's like man from one day to another they didn't like each other very much (laughs) and and, they seem to mean the thing that that they seem to treat it as a job like that was the other thing about get back where it was like okay here we are we're showing up at at 10 o'clock and okay we're gonna two o'clock we're gonna go have lunch and there's like a lunch break and then there was like (laughs) They would come back and work for another, and that was what they were doing. And so I guess part of the reason why they were able to produce so much is because it was like they were going to work every day Uh, because they weren't touring either. They were done touring at that point. So they could just like, like, like sit in the studio and have engineers there recording their every whim Mm -hmm. so that if something comes up and they 
forget about it. It's actually on tape so that someone could later go, what about that thing you did yesterday? And they could rewind the tape and there it is and build a song out of it. And um, so they had kind of that going for them. I, I'd like to think that if, uh, you know, they still, <laughs> I'd like to think that we could have also, if we were like in a recording studio for that long a time, we could actually churn out that many songs as well. But we would not be making Sgt. Peppers and we would not be making the White Album. Like we, and we wouldn't be making Abbey Road. You know, these are amazing records filled with amazing classic songs. So are you the George Harrison of Moist? No, I'm you said I'm out of here. Sure. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Paul McCartney actually is the guy who said I'm out of, the, I'm out of here as well, I think. <laughs> they, all, they all quit, I think. No, but you know what? If, if you bring that up, um, that sort of harkens back to my point a second ago, which is that yeah. the whole thing's not going to work if you've got one guy who's not into it. And that's mm. the way I was in 2014 when I left the band, I just wasn't, the guys were, we had, we'd been on hiatus for 13 years. Right. We came together and we did a reunion tour that was so much fun and so great and so well received. And, uh, and the guys were like, Holy crap, we could still do this. This is like really great. And we still like being together and hanging out and, and writing songs. That's right. Songs and make a record. And, uh, and I just sort of knew at that point I was, I had a three-year-old son at the point at the time and I had moved to Kingston and I had a, a new kind of career going on. And I knew that I was going to be the guy who was like, Oh, do we have to rehearse this much? And Oh, do we have to show up to do this thing? I knew that I was going to be the guy who would be constantly, Oh, do we have to do this? Do we have to do this? Right. And I didn't want to be that guy. And so that's when I, I went out for dinner with them. Um, and just said, you know, guys, I don't want to be the guy who holds you back. Like, if this is the thing, if you guys are want to do this and carry on, and then you've got my blessing, and and uh, yeah, so they did. But you know, six years later, <laughs> my three year old is now an eleven year old and uh, <laughs> needs to be quite a bit less. And uh, yeah, so you know, I have a question about in. touring. Um, I can't, I, I came of age in the 90s and there were just so many fantastic bands uh, during that decade. My, my favorite of all time being Soundgarden, I, ha I have to say, but um, do being you have who? I didn't. Who did you say, Sasha, was your favorite? Oh, Soundgarden. Oh, Soundgarden. Yeah. Um, do you have any favorite anecdotes life on the road in the, in the, in the 90s, um, whether it's bands you toured with or special experiences you had? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, parents? No. Uh, <laughs> definitely. And, you know, this is the kind of thing where if I start rambling, things will start coming coming up because it uh, it honestly feels like from – 1994 to 2000, I feel like we lived on a tour bus. I feel like we were just constantly on the bus doing things. And I think overall, like to the point where just like, you know, you, you get home and it just, and you go to sleep in an actual bed and it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right having that much space. You're used to a, to a three by four by six foot <clears throat> box that you sleep in uh, with a big engine roaring underneath it and that kind of thing. I think overall the, or there's uh, there so many great experiences. I think that the Edge Fest tours that we did were probably the most fun because mm. it was a bunch of bands we love. Everyone 
really was in it together and it was a it was just a backstage of those things it was just a fleet of tour buses and after the shows everyone would get back into their bus and and you know leave edmonton and wake up in regina and do it all again and and it was a real it was a real it was like a carnival it was like a circus it was amazing so your your biggest you remember the bus driver's was... name <laughs> that one was dan <laughs> okay so that did it. <laughs> Shout out to Dan. Shout, Shout out, out to Dan. Dan. <laughs> yeah. We had a bunch of very uh, memorable bus drivers over the years. But Dan was, yeah, in particular was, was very memorable. He had the best mustache in rock and roll. <laughs> so nowhere on your list of, of favorite memories was that time when you stiffed a 22-year-old kid that was waiting to interview you guys backstage, right? That was the second best thing that we ever did. <laughs> okay. For sure. Yeah. Just check. Yeah. Oh, you should have seen. We were just. <laughs> on the bus afterwards like oh yes we did it we did really you see how many notes he had what a loser <laughs> hell jokes on you i don't do prep anymore <laughs> uh yeah really it was times like that i was very fortunate to have tid by my side because i was so distraught and he would be like suck it up asshole <laughs> you know, shit happens you know what? We all need a friend like that. Get, you, yeah. get used to it. I mean, I, I didn't really want to have to talk to him either. So I can imagine. How <laughs> hey, let me ask you this. When you, it's always a thought in my head and maybe it's just a little bit of self-consciousness, but when you take the, the, when you make the decision to walk away from the band and then you're thinking like, do you ever have that moment where you go, did I make the right choice? Oh, and maybe <laughs> every day. Every day, like okay. every day, yeah, absolutely, for sure. And you know, and they were like, so <laughs> you know, the, I remember uh, after I walked away from the band, um, you know, Mark called Mark guitar or Mark McAway, our guitar player who produced yeah. that record, the, the record that they made in my absence, and he produced End of the Ocean as well. Uh, and he called up and he said, You know, it's just it doesn't sound like a moist record without your voice on it. You got to mm. come to Toronto and record vocals. And I was like, Okay, I'm there. So I jumped in my car. And all the way there, I was like, oh, man, I, oh, I really wish I was in the band again. And I got there, I got to the studio, and he played me. There's a bunch of songs that were kind of in process when I left the band. And, uh, and they, were, they, were, they were good. There's a bunch of really good things there that I really liked. Um, but when I actually got into the studio and sat down in the vocal booth, he was like, okay, we're going to start with a song called Mechanical. And I was like, okay, I heard this one. Okay, you're gonna, you need to sing. Find, a, find something to sing on the courses. And he played me Mechanical. And I was like, fuck, this is so good. What have I done? Oh, my God. Did you sit there listening the next... to the bass and going, damn it? Yeah, exactly. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. This guy can play. And then, you know, the next year, every time I heard Mechanical or Black Roses on the radio, I was like, yeah. Oh, but, you know, but those moments would, I knew why I left the band. I knew why I had to leave the band. And. And every day I went home to my family and I, I was, you know, doing this other thing that I really enjoyed and loved. And, and uh, so it would, I would have flashes every, every day, but they wouldn't last more than a few minutes before I, you know, I'd wallow in self-pity for a bit and then, uh, <laughs> And I get on with my life. And uh, now, was it was it you that told you to get on with your life, or was it your spouse no? It was that very was much like, listen. Oh, okay, I was, yeah. you've, been, you've been sitting around at home too much. <laughs> like listen, no. 
the the couch is starting to look like you when you're not on it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's good to have an honest person like that in your life for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, so I'm just, I'm trying to figure out now, like David went off for a while. David Usher, of course, the, the lead singer of moist, um, you know, who was, I'm not going to lie in my early twenties, he was the bane of my existence because all I ever heard from every woman I was trying to talk to was, I'm so in love with David Usher. And I'm like, for fuck's sakes, can (laughs) someone just look my way once? Like I even grew my hair long. I did the whole deal. Try standing standing to the left of him for like that many years. Yeah, but at least you were Hello, I'm here. Bass player right here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, All eyes there. All right. I'm just here playing some really awesome bass right now. (laughs) Come on. The bass player never gets enough love, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so David went off, he did his own project for a little while, and then he comes back and a couple of the guys I, I, I understand two, or was it one that came from his band and now are part of moist? Yeah. So actually I'm going to sort of, this is a thing that we're constantly correcting. David didn't go off. So what happened okay. was that in 2000, after we'd been living in the moist bubble for basically eight years, so it was just right. like nothing but <laughs> Like you're laughing at the, the the phrase "moist bubble" now, aren't you? And actually, those are two oh, words that really go together. Tid's got one in his pants. How can you not? Uh, we knew that we needed a break bubble. from each other. We knew we needed to to take some time apart, and and we so we we just decided to do that. And David was like, "Okay, well, we're going to take some time apart. I'm going to make a record." And he started making that record. And then as he was started writing songs for it. He went to to Mark and he said, "Hey, I've got. I kind of would like some help. Could you produce and write some of this record?" And Mark said, "Yeah." And then he went to me and he said, "Hey, do you want to write some songs and you could produce some stuff for this record as well?" And he went to Kevin and so we all and Kevin like played keys on the record. So we were mm. like he never left the band. He just we didn't want to do a moist record. He oh, wanted sure. to keep on making records, but he he kept us involved and it was a great time because we actually got to to uh uh to sort of stretch out and explore other avenues of, of music and and different sound and that yeah. kind of thing and then kevin and i actually played in david's touring band for a bunch of years as well just because it was it was uh it was just really fun it was good it was fun you know we got to be out on the road again and and uh, it was a lot easier being on the road with david than being on the road with the five-headed beast that is moist because it's just like we didn't have to argue about everything. We didn't have to argue about where we're going to stop for lunch. It's like, hey, we're stop for lunch. Yeah. David, where do you want to stop for lunch? See, that's, the, there. that's the stuff I want to hear about. All the yeah, infighting. Right? That's awesome. Oh, with Moist, it was our producer, David Leonard, the guy who produced uh, uh, our 1999 record, our third record, Mercedes Five and Dime. He described mm-hmm. us as the five-headed beast um, because we were like, he said, we, you guys are like this, this like ancient monster that's got like five heads and they're all like snapping at each other and i think he was kind of surprised because he came from a background of recording uh people like prince and and mellencamp and and mm. like single solitary individuals where there was like one vision and were what they said ruled and that was never the case with with moist we were always very opinionated with each other and quite quite ruthless actually so i love that <laughs> so, <laughs> but now you're a six-headed beast now we are so yes so back to your yeah so when we our original drummer paul 
retired from music. He injured his back mm. in 19, sorry, in 2000 and, and, and decided to, that was it for him. Um, the drummer we have now is also the drummer in David's band, Francis, <coughs> but also John, who's a guitar player in David's band. He's been sort of around as a collaborator with David for years. And because he and Kevin and David have worked together and I've worked with David and Mark's worked with David, he's sort of been Mark's John's always just sort of been, been there doing things. And so we wanted a, a, when we did the reunion tour, we wanted to have a second guitarist to help fill out the sound. Um, we often actually had secondary musicians back in the old days as well. We had, we would tour with a cello player or with somebody playing acoustic guitar or that kind of thing. Uh, so we wanted to have a six musician to help fill things out. And we just like having him around so much. So we decided that he should just be in the band. So that's why we are now six. I think Tid you know can that confirm you... for me though, like Tid, what's the music yeah. law? If they add one more member, they're officially a ska band, right? Two, two. You have to have two, two? horns. Oh, two two horns. horns in the band. Two oh, horns in the idea. band to be an official you're, ska you're, band, right? right? There, yeah, but you're you're skating that line, my friend. You know, yeah. actually, you look at a lot of the old bands from the '90s. It's amazing how many of them are six members now. Like, there's yeah. a lot of six-member bands now. It's a, it's. Crazy. If they only knew sort of... how to ease and ease the workload back then, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, but then it's smaller, smaller uh, checks to to, to <laughs> divide. There's, up, there, there's no checks when you start. No, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's very little checks bad. even later on. So yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, honestly, exactly. This... So so with that said, I mean, clearly you guys are in a position now where the it, you have name value and you're going out on the road and stuff like that. Are you looking forward to going on the road? And when are you going to be going on the road? I don't think we've ever looked forward to going on the road so much because we never knew before how much, you know, it's one of those things. You don't know what you got until it's, it's no longer available to you. Right. And uh, we did a show. We did one show in the last two years. We, we played a show um, in Ottawa, uh, sort of part of a, they call, I think it was called City Fest. It was kind of a, it was put on by the same people who do the Ottawa Blues Fest. Where, where are you guys? What city are you in? Toronto. Oh, okay. So you know about Ottawa Blues Fest probably then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, can't so, get there uh, it's surrounded by truckers yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> difficult to get to these days um <laughs> anyway we we did one show there in september uh with our daily piece and it was the like I, I think we all had this experience of like wow like we didn't know how much we missed this until we couldn't do it anymore and so now we're we are looking down the road we have shows we've got shows booked we've got plans um we can't announce anything yet, uh, there, but there's things that are coming into uh, into into planning. And you know, hopefully, you know, knock on wood, hopefully everything gets to fly. Hopefully, we're done with this whole thing. So, and do we know when and, the album's yeah. finally being released? Yeah, it, as of uh, it was released uh, about a month ago. A month ago. Okay. Thanks, Don. I wasn't. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I had you know the album. I had to leave you on the side of the road. If you, like, I have it right? and I've been listening to it nonstop, but I didn't know if it was publicly available. Yeah, yeah. It was out on January uh something. Actually, I think it's January 14th. So yeah, I'm right, now. perfect. So um yeah, it's awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We're really so proud I have I do have a question though, like because I have a question about one of the songs, and I want to know a little bit more about Tarantino. Okay. Mm. And why Tarantino, like Obviously, the name of it is fantastic. The, the song itself is great. Mm. What was like? Who came up with it <clears throat> out of the band, and how? Okay, 
I think David wrote the lyrics to the song, as he does. Okay. I believe that Mark came up with the idea of calling it Tarantino because he, when we were, you know, calling it Bullet Kill Love. The Bullet Kill Sex Love Thrill Bullet. Yeah, it originally started as Bullet. We were calling it Bullet okay. forever, but then we thought we can't have a bullet and an ammunition on this on the record. That's just that makes no. That's just dumb. So because yeah. there's a record, there's a song called Ammunition as well. So okay, yeah. like, uh, <laughs> it starts to seem a bit like a fetish or something. And uh, <laughs> I mean, we are a band of the '90s. Nobody ruled the cinemas more than Quentin Tarantino in the '90s. We all, we you know, we go see movies as a band. And the first thing we come out of, we first thing we say to each other when we come out of it is, okay, where does this sit on the Pulp Fiction scale of movies? Like we were mm -hmm. big into Tarantino. We absolutely loved him. And there's something about the whole imagery of the lyric that David came up with. <clears throat> the Mark was just like, let's just call it Tarantino. It's very like cinematic. It's very like, yeah, feels like, you know, the same way that his, that his movies are often collections of, shorter sort of bits that are put together into one kind of hole and that's where that's where it came from that's awesome yeah it's a great great track do you have a favorite <laughs> do you have a favorite tarantino film oh you know it's probably it's probably yeah it's okay it to is probably the still obvious pulp one. fiction yes it see, is me pulp too fiction. and i take no shame in admitting yeah. it. Same. it's a masterpiece it i didn't a... like the last one um I... I... Yeah, I wanted to like it more than I did. I went to the theater by myself because my family wouldn't. Well, my, my son's eleven, so I couldn't, it's the only Marvel non Marvel movie I'd seen in a while. So I had to go alone, and I was like, eh, it seemed kind of slow. I tried, I really tried, but I just wasn't uh, wasn't into it. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah, I I mean, Pulp Fiction is one of those ones I watch it at least every. Like once every couple months. It was only I feel two like... days ago. I just watched it two days ago. Yeah. <laughs> and that's another movie. I'm looking forward to rewatching it again. I, I can't I need my I need my eleven year old to get a little bit older. I've already showed him the Godfather movies and he loves them. Nice. But uh uh <laughs> I don't think he's ready to have uh the brains the brains blown out in the back of the car and that kind of thing. So, or the start him off with something have, start yeah. him off with something easy yeah. like 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 true romance. True you romance, I mean? yeah. It, you know, yeah. you know, or reserv or reservoir yeah. dogs or something. Yeah, nothing like dark that, happens right? in those movies at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Natural born killers. It's said, just a love story. It's just a love story. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a love story. They're just really in love. I want to ask you, I mentioned this in the intro, and I'm dying to know. Please explain to me about this live band karaoke. And and, so, and what yeah. that was all about and, and how you got oh, mixed it's still up going. in that. Yeah. Well, I know so, it's still going, but you're not involved with it anymore, are you? Oh, I am. Oh, yeah. Oh, you I still fully, are. Fully. Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. For sure. That's we'll awesome. come play. You got an event? We'll be there. <laughs> I love it. It's, so, yeah. It's, uh, anyone who's interested, who is, you can go to rockstarlive.ca, rockstarlive.ca, or email me at jeff at rockstarlive.ca. And it all started because uh, back when we were touring with david's band in the in the aughts there um we had a guitar player in the band named jerry finn who uh is just an amazing guitar player and we sort of discovered as we were doing sound check and that kind of thing because again because it was david's project so we kind of got the opportunity to goof off we didn't we didn't have to be doing our job all the time and so we just sort of started we got into this thing where we would just constantly be 
showing each other, showing off how many songs we knew uh, just during soundcheck and that kind of thing. And we kind of thought, well, this is actually, we actually know a lot of songs and we really enjoy playing them. Like we love playing Don't Stop Believing. And we love playing Living, Living on a Prayer. And we love playing, you know, all these, all these great songs that we know. And uh, we thought we should, you know, it would be really great to be able to give people the experience of what it's like to sing for a rock band. That's and, um, that's my dream. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's everybody's dream. And so we uh, we found a bar in Burlington and we explained to them this idea that we wanted to start doing this live band karaoke thing. And I figured out a way of timing the lyrics to a click track so that our so we could have scrolling lyrics. And we we uh, there's a bar in Burlington called the Red Rooster and it'll open it up. It opened up on a Monday back in 2006, I think it was. And we were there the very first Monday and we played that Monday and we played every Monday there for the next five years until it closed five years after it opened. And we were there every single Monday night. And over the course of time, our repertoire of like 50 songs grew into a repertoire of like 600 songs. And, uh, and it was just, it's just so much fun. And then we sort of started, we realized from that practice that we could really use it more as a, as a team building type thing. And we do, so we do a lot of corporate event events with it. It's uh, and we do a lot of, um, we do everything we do. We do <laughs> weddings, parties, for misfits. <laughs> it's okay. There's no no shame in it. It's okay to be a whore. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true whore. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not, you know what? We just we're it is so much fun, and that's the main Absolutely. thing. We, it's and you know we have, we are a band that will play as a live band karaoke band. You know, we'll play Tom Jones, and then we'll play ABBA, and then we'll play Metallica, and then we'll play Spice Girls, and then we'll play, you know, it's the most wide variety of things you could possibly imagine. And I uh, want to yeah, get no, up it's... on stage. I want to get up on stage with you guys playing Push, and I'm going to tell every woman there that I'm David Usher, but the years have not been kind. <laughs> And you're a little taller. I'm a little taller now, little, but whatever. Six, six foot seven, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> this could David's all be a little arranged. smaller than me. This could all be arranged. We are available Wonderful. for a price for any kind of <laughs> to satisfy any whim or fantasy you you desire. I know so, what's yeah. happening for my next birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. That is so cool, oh. man. So um the album is killing it. Tours to be announced. For sure to be announced yep tours to be shows first and then a tour hopefully in the fall so like festival type things in the summer and hopefully a full tour in the fall if, are we talking cross canada or are we dipping down south no we have no uh interest in pursuing america right now it's like they don't want us there we don't want to spend <laughs> we spent so much money in america trying to prove to them that we were important back in the 90s and it never worked so you know at this point we're like we're gonna we're gonna hang out where we we're gonna hang out where we matter. <laughs> it's their loss. It's their loss. I live well, in New York, and and oh and, really? Yeah, yeah. I'm from yeah. Toronto, but uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's their loss. Sasha, well, you're you gonna have that. to come home if you want to see Talk Moist. Him. Okay. Welcome. That's what I say. Yeah. You're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna have to come. Yeah. You're gonna have to come home to see Moist. <laughs> I will. I All promise. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for your time tonight. You've been very gracious. Uh, we really enjoyed having you on, and uh, we'd love to do this again sometime soon, man. Absolutely, anytime for sure. This is really this has been fun. You guys are, are I enjoyed listening to you, you guys talk before I jumped in. 
and uh, ruined it probably. I, and I know, <laughs> I know that my no, you didn't ruin anything. I know that our regular co-host, um, Canadian hip hop star Danny O, would be devastated to know that you were sitting there with a bass guitar and he couldn't just do a live so, jam session well, with you right there freestyling ah oh, geez yeah man he's great at that so we'll have Next to have time. you back in and and we'll we'll do a live jam session tid you can break out the drums i'll play the triangle i'll try to stay on beat <laughs> no no, we actually promises. tried to do i don't know there's a you know the whole the jamming on zoom thing isn't it's the way tough. it looks on commercials it's yeah. <laughs> not, not at all that is a that is a produced piece my friend oh yes it sure is absolutely and i can tell you from experience because we we tried to write songs that way with the band when we were right. when we, <laughs> there's been so many times when we have something happen where someone plays a beat or a live instrument and Dan will rap over it. And then he's calling me on the phone or he's coming over. I'm going to his place after the show when we're editing after the live episode for the, for the doing a little post-production. He's like, okay, see, because it's online, my, my vocal is off by like a split second. You can't put it out like that. People are going to think, I don't know how to stay on beat. So we got to <laughs> fix it, move, move the sound. And I'm like, bro i don't know what i'm doing he's like okay just move it just just a little bit to the right and i'm like <laughs> insane amount of work that goes into making it sound off the cuff but whatever so you can actually like because you actually get a multi-track of this thing afterwards yeah, man. You can't... all right okay cool <laughs> nice we live in large nice but i don't nice. do show prep anymore because you guys fucked me over <laughs> we just taught you a lesson that's all so that's right. I learned a great lesson. Yeah. It was yeah. and you provided lesson. us with hours of very evil comedy as well. That we could <laughs> see how that guy was. It's the, it's the it's it is like the perfect Canadian bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Soon to be yeah. seen on a new episode of Shorezy, the most Canadian. There you ever. go. <laughs> Jeff, thanks so that's much. The man. Long, that's the long con. <laughs> thank you all thanks for your time thank you yeah looking forward to seeing you on the road <laughs> okay thanks me too that's jeff pierce everybody from moist you can check out all their information we're going to post it up on godfathers of podcasting.com uh so socials as well as uh you know everything go buy their new album because like no joke i've been listening to it for i don't know how long and i'm just i love it it's 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 my playlist that i just got going non-stop on my phone and that's all i listen to i get in the car it's going through the car it's all i'm listening to tid you asked me earlier do i play cds in the car no i don't play cds i'm listening to moist through my phone that's there all i'm go. doing <laughs> one of the one of the busiest or one of the uh, best things that you can do as a band is you have to be able to uh progress and learn and progress with the times and this is an album that has shown that this band has definitely progressed um the the the, the new sound is indicative of the new sound of music out there it is you know what i mean a lot of guys can get stuck in their old stuff and these guys mm -hmm. did not they are totally growing and i can't wait to see what they do next it's so cool um before we say good night i just want to ask you a quick question I know Sasha probably has not invested one second in this TV show. Tid, how excited are you for Thursday's season finale of Peacemaker? Dude, this show has been outstanding. James Gunn has obviously... Really 
that is i mean how can you not want to it is a fantastic show very well done i'm sad that uh, the first season is over but I know. Uh, I, I, there's gonna there's gonna be more Absolutely. do i need to invest in this it's, yes 100 yes. it's john yes. cena walking around in his tidy whities <laughs> or <you> less <laughs> There I'm watching go. The Wire right now, so... That's 40 years ago. That's completely comparable. <laughs> <laughs> the Okay, the, the Peacemaker show is everything you love about a su- the superhero genre and everything that you never knew you wanted in the superhero genre. It's I filthy, do love that too, so. it's inappropriate, it is absolutely hilarious. It pushes every single boundary, and the show starts with a goddamn TikTok dance. It's great. It's beyond great. And, um, you know, even even I saw this meme the other day when they were showing the White Dragon, who's the main villain in the show, and they're like, yeah, he's like Iron Man, but racist. <laughs> yep, that's, that's correct. Yeah. That's accurate. Yeah. Um, and broke. <laughs> he's Iron Man, but he's racist and broke. Um, but other than that, like some of the truckers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, they're all part of the White Dragon crew. Um, we are so, so over time, and I'm so sorry uh, to um, to both of you for running long. And Jeff was very good with his time. Uh, as we say goodnight, Sasha, any parting uh, comments, any parting thoughts? You know, next time I will bring my A-game and try to just uh, excise these uh, technical difficulties. The I funny part is now you're smooth as silk. I, Earlier I, I, you were I feel like I've let the team down. <laughs> it's I, okay. I mean, last time, Tid, you told me I ruined the whole show. And I mean, I can only imagine how you feel this this time. I would just appreciate it if you paid your fucking bill so that they had your internet running properly at least. Fucking Jersey internet. Look at you using using that Jersey internet. Maybe go across the bridge, you know, where it's not dial-up for fuck's sake. Oh my god, I love it. Ah, fantastic. And that's what we do. That's why it's a live show. It's always off the cuff. It's always fun and it's always entertaining. Uh, if you learn something, you learn something. If you don't, eh, whatever. <laughs> There's always tomorrow. <laughs> well, that's another one. Another one in the books, ladies and gentlemen. On behalf of my bro Danny O, who's not even here, I and want to meet the... Danny O. What's that? I want to meet Danny O. You, you know what? We will have you on the show when Dan is back. Okay. Okay. And when your Wi-Fi is working. Uh, on behalf of my bro Danielle with the lovely and talented Miss Sasha Wallach, thanks to the notorious TID Chris Tidwell, thanks to Jeff Pierce, and thanks to all of you for tuning in for the last hour 15. My name is Donnie Da Silva. This one is in the books. We'll see you next time. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>